This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Well, we're right into June now and it's a fantastic time to be out and enjoying wildlife. Perhaps you're taking part in the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust's 30 Days Wild, enjoying some aspect of the natural world every day throughout the month of June. Well, Even if you're not, it is never too late to join in and your acts of wildness could be as simple as listening to the birds from your window, taking a photo of a roadside wildflower or perhaps just taking a walk to see some of the lovely wildlife around St Albans. Ancient woodlands like Bricketwood, Batchwood or the woods at Greenwood Park are now cool green havens ringing with the calls of birds. Wildflowers are blooming in the uncut grass, perhaps holding on after no mow may, and there are some gorgeous birds to spot. Now I've been keeping you up to date with Alban and Boudicca. Those are the peregrine falcons raising their chick on the clock tower at St Albans Cathedral. Now the good news is that the chick no longer looks like a little snowball but is growing fast and looking more like its mum and dad. And remember that you can see for yourself and talk to people who will be able to tell you everything about it if you go to the Abbey Orchard between 11 and 3 each day at the weekend where the St Albans RSPB group and the Hearts of Middlesex Wildlife Trust are running Peregrine Watch. They've got their telescope there, trained on the action on the tower. Well worth taking a look at. This pair of peregrine falcons is one of only five in the whole of Hertfordshire. So that's between 11 and 3 in the Abbey Orchard each weekend. Now, another bird of prey to watch out for is the barn owl over at Hartwood. Now, if you're over in the eastern half of Hartwood, so that's the part with the community orchard and the arboretum, if you're there early in the morning, so before 7.30ish, or perhaps as it's starting to get dark, then you might catch the barn owl circling low over the undergrowth looking for unsuspecting voles. Again, quite a magnificent sight and well worth going to look at. Somewhere else that is lovely to be at this time of year is the River Vare. Now, you can look out for the water voles, which were reintroduced last year. You might be lucky and see one. You might spot fish in the water, or you might see a streak of azure blue as one of the kingfishers which live up and down the river dart along. And if you're out along the River Vare, the Vare Valley Society want your help spotting invaders, invasive plants that have no place on the River Vare. I spoke to Ver Valley Society Chair John Pritchard to find out what exactly he wants us to do. But first, I had another question for him. Just before we start talking about these vicious weeds that we've got along the river there, it was really exciting, obviously, last year to hear about the return of the water voles, but you know, they're shy little creatures, not really heard much about them since. You're regularly out about them there. Can you just give us an update what you've seen? Well, through the winter, the voles were exceptionally hard to see. They 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 don't hibernate, but they keep a very low profile. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, 
we, we've actually seen, I've actually seen a young water vole, uh, which is obviously um, f- first litter of the year. So they're still here and they are breeding. We've seen lots of signs over the winter, chewed plants and water vole poo is one of the favourite um, signs. So there's been lots of signs um, that there's quite good activity. And now we've seen the first young ones. There's a proper survey being done by volunteers and the Arts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust at the end of June, beginning of July. So it'll give a good indication of, of, of how populous they are and indeed whether they've spread outside the area where they were first introduced. Well, we'll look forward to hearing the results of that. But the fact that you've seen babies, that sounds to be a good sign. So that's that's really encouraged. Pleased to hear that. And how about the vet more generally? I mean, I can't help thinking, we've had a little bit of rain recently, but it does feel like it's been quite a dry year so far. How is the vet doing? Well, officially, um, flow is normal for May. But the truth is, um, our river watchers are finding that it's pretty slow and pretty sluggish. Uh, and I think because of the last couple of years when we've had wet winters, uh, the river's been made quite wide again um, in some places. Uh, when I say wide, it's two or three metres rather than a metre. But it means that the flow is, is, is or well, the river's very shallow. Um, so the water warms up quickly and it's not the best hiding place for fish. So at the moment, we're waiting for the return of a lot of the vegetation by the side of the river. But it's not in the best of health. And in theory, this is an average year. Um, but it, it is cyclical. And we we had a couple of very wet years. Everybody thinks they've never seen it so wet. And the likelihood is now we're in a four or five year drier period before we might see it wet again. Okay, well, let's just hope that all the wildlife, including those water voles, um, are still okay with the with the low flows that you're talking about. Now, let's turn to the problem of invasive plants along the river. Why exactly are invasive plants a problem? What do they do to the river? Well, in terms of the river, the one that has the most effect is Himalayan balsam, um, which by its name, it was a Victorian import from, from the Himalayas. Um, tall and pink, seems quite good for the bees, but uh, it grows quite prolifically. It dies every year uh, and it crowds out all the other native plants on the bank. So what you tend to find in the winter is you're left with a fairly bare bank of mud uh, and that washes into the river, which isn't good for all the things that live in the bottom of the river. Uh, And all the native plants are, or nearly all the native plants are excluded so that's probably the worst offender as far as the as the river goes. Uh, and it, luckily for us, it doesn't extend much beyond Park Street. It doesn't get up as far as St Albans. So we, we you know, keep an eye out in case it gets spread on the boot of a, an angler or a, a coat of a dog or whatever, um, if it gets seen somewhere else. But the, the, the chances are we can keep it at the bottom part of the, the river. And what do you do to control that? Well, that's one where people can actually help because pulling it by hand is the is, is about the best method of removing it. So we've actually got two work parties coming up, which the general public, anybody can come along on. So we've got one in July and one in August. And you can find the details on our on our website, obviously, riverver.co.uk. But Saturday the 16th of July and Saturday the 20th of August, just below Park Street and down at Moore Mill, we'll be pulling... Himalayan balsam, wear your, wear your long sleeves and your, and your walking boots or wellies um, and you can come and join us. Okay, that sounds actually quite a satisfying thing to do, coming and ripping out all those uh, Himalayan balsams, so yeah, a good yeah. one. And what, and we, what, we, what we will also do is we'll replace the balsam with um, native 
plants, so particularly things like uh, purple loosestrife, which is a tall purple plant, which is good for pollinators. So we'll be distributing uh, native seeds to replace the, the balsam in, in coming years. So hopefully we'll be doing a good thing as a double, a double whammy um, to the benefit of the local wildlife. Okay, and purple loosestrife is rather beautiful as well, so that should look great too. Now, there's there's two um, other particularly um, nasty invasive plants that you're concerned about as well, and you've actually been given some money to deal with these. There's the Japanese knotweed and the giant hogweed. Should we talk about the Japanese knotweed first? I mean, I think most of us have heard that it's you know it's bad news if you get it in your garden or whatever. But can you just tell us what it looks like and and why it's so dreadful? Well, it's not exclusive to the riverbank, although we do have it along the Ver. Uh, but it, it, you know, it doesn't. It, it quite likes a, a damp environment. Uh, it's got spade shovel-shaped leaves, which are about uh, five or six centimeters long, um, and it's got long white trailing flowers that come out during the course of the summer. If again, if you go onto our website, um, we've got pictures on there of it in various stages of, of its life. So it's much easier to look at the pictures than it is for me to describe what it looks like. Um, but it's very pervasive and it's very strong. So it can undermine the foundations of houses. It can come up through tarmac and so on. And it's not good. It will take the value, um, some of the price of your house off um, if you've got it. So it's a good thing to, to keep an eye out for it and get rid of it if you possibly can. Um, we've been yeah, and we've been fortunate that we, we, we got a small grant from uh, Affinity Water to help remove uh, Japanese knotweed. And we'll, perhaps we'll come on and talk about giant hogweed in a moment. But uh, we've, we've got money which we can point people towards um, chemical treatment uh, and they can organise a chemical treatment which will be part or fully paid for, almost certainly fully paid for. Uh, and the smaller we can get the plants, the better it will be. Um, but chemical treatment's the best way to to remove it. Yeah, indeed. So, so any riparian owners, anybody who's got a garden or land that goes down to the river, uh, if they spot something that looks like Japanese knotweed or giant hogweed, then they can benefit from this grant, and it will be good for them to control yeah, it yeah, as give, well as good for the river. Give give us give us a, um, a call or send us an email. The details again are on the website of who to, who to speak to. We'll confirm that it is the dreaded plant that you think it is, um, or maybe maybe not. Um, and then we can point you in the direction of the of the chemical control. Indeed. Now, just interested that you're talking about chemical control here, presumably some kind of a herbicide. Is that kind of thing safe to use um, so close to the river environment? Well, that, exactly. That's why you won't get me um, coming along to do the treatment. It'll be a tra- it's a trained operative. So they'll come along. They'll treat individual plants very specifically. Um, they wear a chemical hazmat suit and so on. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's just it's a strong weed killer. But it, if you can get it into the roots or whatever, then that's going to be very likely to get rid of it with one or perhaps two treatments. Uh, it depends how big the stand of knotweed is, um, and the similar thing for giant hogweed, which um, that has spines uh, along its stem, uh, which aren't good because if you if you contact those, which is why you need to wear protective equipment or protective clothing, um, that will desensitize you to desensitize your skin uh, in in sunlight and bring you up in nasty blisters and it doesn't just last a week it can last months or even several years it's it's a very nasty one to brush up against um, the good news is it doesn't set seed for about four years i think it is so if we can catch it when it's young 
then it will mean that it's not likely to spread and, and it can be removed as well. When we say giant hogweed, it really is a very big plant, isn't it? Well, it can grow up to five metres tall. So when it's in its, you know, in its, at its full height, it's, it's absolutely enormous and you can't mistake it. It's got flowers the size of a cauliflower, each individual um, plant. But of course, in the early years, it's much smaller than that. And it's easy to confuse it with common hogweed, with um, hemlock and one or two others, which, or even with cow parsley, uh, which are nowhere near as, well, not, not even dangerous. Uh, and so it, it's important to identify it, get it early. We're happy to come out and check something even if you, you're not sure, uh, and if again, point you in the direction of, of someone who can treat it. Uh, and again, this is a plant that you really don't want growing on your land. It's actually quite dangerous, and so good for the river to get rid of it, but also really good for, for you as yeah, well. It, it's one that small children can brush up against, and they're probably the ones who, who suffer the most if, it, if, it, if they're unfortunate enough to do that. So yes, get it out early. Uh, and do you know which part of the Vare we're most likely to find these weeds on? Well, they could, they could, they could be found anywhere, but principally, if, so far, it's it's Park Street and south of Park Street where they've they've all been discovered. So it's it's not it's not uh, impossible that they're in somebody's garden in St Albans or Redbourne. Um, absolutely, still possible. But the ones that we that we've seen, we've they've been treated in previous years, are all from Park Street Mill uh, downstream. Right. Okay. And if and if we're just out walking and we find them, it's not just people. You know, if they're in your garden yeah, or whatever, yes. we should. They don't have to be right by the river to be reported. We we can still um, organise treatment. But it, yeah, people. There are many times when the things are misidentified. It doesn't matter. Get in touch. We can quickly decide, um, help you um, decide whether it's the right plant or not. Um, or maybe more likely, it'll be a an innocent a native. But but it's better to check it out. Yeah. And as you say, all three of these plants, the Himalayan balsam, the giant hogweed and the Japanese knotweed, these are not native plants. So we're getting rid of something here which shouldn't be here at all. Yeah, that's that's the idea is that you're getting rid of plants that shouldn't be here. They they don't have a great effect on the, they don't have a positive effect on the wildlife. Um, and in fact, the of course, our native insects will be better suited to pollinating our native plants rather than than these foreign imposters, if you like. Indeed. So, John, we'll find all the information about this on your website and all the details there for how to get in touch with you so that you can check out what we've found. Is that right? That's right. On the news page, there's a post specifically on invasive species and what to do. You can download pictures as downloaded our leaflet uh, and the contact details are there too. Right. Okay. And as you say, and you're always open to more volunteers to come along to help with things like your Himalayan balsam bashing or all the other lovely things you do, taking uh, taking rubbish out of the fair as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always the third uh, the third Saturday of every month from ten till twelve. That's our principal sessions, and then we have some occasional midweek meets as well. So if you're available on on a third Saturday of the month, you're welcome to join us. Okay, well, and whenever I see your posts, always looks like a lovely, smiley bunch of volunteers. So it sounds like it could actually be quite, you know, some some lovely time spent out in the fresh air doing something worthwhile. That's right. Yeah, it's good for that. And 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 sometimes we get onto bits that aren't necessarily public access, so you get to see bits of the river that you otherwise wouldn't see too. So it'd be a double bonus. Brilliant, John. Thank you so much for telling us about that. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you, Amanda. I was talking there to John Pritchard of the Vare Valley Society.
Now you've still got time to book your place at the Heart Community Resilience Conference, which is on the 25th of June in the afternoon at St. Albans Museum and Art Gallery Building. You can find details of that on the Heart Community website. And if you missed last week's show when we heard all about it from Kim Hare of Heart Community, then head to the podcast page of RadioVerulam.com where you'll find the podcast of the show along with many other podcasts in case you've missed them. You'll see there from a couple of weeks ago the show where I spoke to Kevin Walton, Canon Chancellor of St Albans Cathedral, about the new Sumter Yard garden. Well, I'm pleased to report that the garden is now complete. The local apple trees with connections to the cathedral are planted and the sustainably sourced benches are ready for you to sit on and watch the insects buzzing in the mini wildflower meadows. Next week, we'll hear why the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust want you to pick up your coloured pencils and paintbrushes. But until then, thank you for listening.